Vancouver probably needs uh, probably one or two large exits that that would uh, make tens or hundreds of people successful financially. And these people would come back, write checks for the next generations, but at the same time, bring their expertise to help to scale the company. So today on Afternoon Tea, I am super duper excited, that is super plus duper, to have Saba Mohampur on with us today. Um, let me just set this up before we start our chat, Saba. So Saba is the CEO and founder of Spocket, an app that seamlessly connects buyers, retailers, and suppliers. He is focused on empowering online entrepreneurs by solving the trillion, that's T-rillion, dollar inventory distortion problem via the drop shipping model, armed with a wide expanse of knowledge about e-commerce and marketplaces that he collected through the years. Saba is reducing the steps needed to build a reliable online space for selling. Saba traveled a long way to become a Canadian entrepreneur with a funded startup. He originally landed in Canada because his family is Baha'i, a religious minority banned from higher education in Iran. He learned programming midway through his pre-med courses and immediately wanted to create something revolutionary, and I believe he has. Saba, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Fantastic. fantastic. So just before uh, we started today, we were talking about where we had met because we had met prior. Um, and those, and, and, and you know what, I'll, I'll be honest with you, because I do remember it, because I remember meeting this student from UBC. And I, I don't know if you had started Spocket yet, or if you're just kind of thinking about it, because I remember being impressed um, by you at that age, and you're coming up to the the uh, the Vidya meetup group, yes. uh, the the Vancouver iOS one that that I I helped um, you know blah blah at. I don't know if better words for it, um, but but you did impress me right off the bat, like right from meeting you. So it did stick in my head, which which is which is important. But but tell you this, why don't we start with the very basics? Tell me the origin story of Spocket, please. Sure. Um... So what if I go back a little bit about my story of coming to Canada? I think that would, Sounds good. That would be a better transition to talk about Spocket. But Perfect. Um, so uh, my family uh, back home are following this religion called Baha'i and uh, we're, we're not allowed to go to university. So the max that you can uh, educate yourself uh, is high school. Um, so after high school, I decided that I want to go another country uh, because I was so so passionate about medicine uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to become a neurosurgeon so I applied for a bunch of universities when I was 20 um, and I got um, uh, into UBC uh, in Vancouver so I decided to I, I got into a bunch of universities but I think UBC was the best one um, good choice yeah, it was a fantastic <laughs> choice. And honestly, the main reason that I chose UBC was because of the campus. It's beautiful. It's mm -hmm. amazing. And in the, in a great city. Uh, so I moved here in 2012 uh, on my own. My entire family is back home. Um, and I started my pre-med at UBC. Uh, pretty much took all the summer courses. So by 2015, uh, I graduated. But in my last year in school, in 2015, uh, I was watching this YouTube video. I, I can't forget this. It was August 4th, 2015. And I saw a 30 seconds interview with this guy called 
neck uh, something, and he built this house called Samli, if you remember, and he sold it to Yahoo for $30 million. And he was 17 years old in his last year <laughs> in high school. He was so young that they couldn't even transfer the money to his account, they sent to his <laughs> parents' account. So that night, I was, I was thinking that if the 17 years old guy can program and build apps and build software, I'm in my third year university degree. I know more math and physics than him. So I should be able to do that as well. So I started programming the same night. Uh, I uh, got the free book from Apple. It was the summer that Swift came. So I started mm. with learning Swift and the also- summer of Swift. The summer of Swift. <laughs> and uh, Objective C a little bit, but that's uh, how I thought myself to program. Uh, in the next couple of months. And then I got into this local uh, uh, bootcamp called Lighthouse Lab. I started mentoring there for about a year. In that period, I probably built like 13, 14 different apps that none of them worked out. Uh, I pushed them to the app store, none of them worked out. But in, uh, in 2016, I got into this program called The Next Big Thing. So Ryan Holmes, the founder of Hootsuite was picking 10 people under 25 every year, giving us office space at Hootsuite for the whole year. So I got into that program. At the end of that program, I came up with the idea of Spocket. Um, so that was the transition. And what uh, Spocket is, so actually, let me tell you this. Uh, I haven't told uh, anyone this before. Ooh. I, I, yeah. So in in it was early 2017. I found a loophole on Facebook and I made almost $20,000 Facebook coupon codes for free. Um, wow. And I sold almost $10,000 of those uh, to local marketing agencies for 30% discount. So I made almost seven, $8,000 cash. The rest $10,000 I spent uh, on running a lot of campaigns on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to market and how to target people uh, on those channels. So it was like early 2017, I came up with this idea that I know how to target people and how to sell things to them. What if I start my own e-commerce shop? But the only problem was that I have no products to sell. So I reached out to almost 400 suppliers on Etsy and uh, told them that, give me the CSV of your products. I put it in my store, I sell it for you, and I send you the orders. You ship it to my customers. And at this time, I have no idea what dropshipping is. I thought I came up with the model. Um, just give me 20% discount. I'll take that 20% as my margin uh, for my for the ads that I have to spend. And pretty much all of them said no. There's like two out of 400 that they accepted. The rest said no. Um, and there were like many reasons from like inventory uh, inventory update, real-time inventory updates to we, we're not going to we don't even trust you. How are you going to send us the orders? How are you going to take care of the payment uh, processing uh, and all those things? So I was like, okay, what if I quickly build a software that will automate all these things so I can work with these uh, suppliers? There was no, uh, I wasn't trying to build a business around Spocket. So I built this software for myself to be able to start my e-commerce shop. So that and, was the that was the origin of Spocket. That's and that's that's the birth. Well, what what what's the one? So the one feature that you built was basically an easy way for their inventory to match your store. That that's the feature that you felt was the most important part to 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 create Spocket. I, I think like there, there were like a few uh, things like real time inventory update is very important. If you're selling someone else's product, you want to make sure that your inventory is matching with with their inventory uh, real time. 
the other thing is very important is how you're going to take care of the payment uh, processing because you as a dropshipper at the time you might be working with multiple suppliers mm-hmm. uh, so you want to make sure you be able to like make the payouts and how the orders are processed and all of those things there's a lot of complications um, right now we have over 50,000 customers mm-hmm. uh, before Spocket, a lot of these uh, merchants they had to hire uh, virtual assistants to, for seven eight hours a day to take care of all these things for them. But we pretty much automated all, all those uh, uh, manual work. Fantastic, fantastic. So, so drop shipping, I mean, that's a pretty common term now, obviously, and a huge business and huge opportunity. Is it easier now that it's become part of the lexicon of, of our industry to explain Spocket to you know potential, potential clients, potential customers, potential stores, I guess? I think it is. Uh, if, if you look at Google Trends uh, for different keywords, you see that uh, the keyword dropshipping has been has accelerated in, in in Google search so much since 2016. I think a lot of people are familiar with the uh, word dropshipping at this time. So obviously, it's much easier. I think I had a very hard time initially to explain the model uh, mm-hmm. to even investors. Um, but now, now when you say dropshipping, most people know what what it is. For sure, for sure. And and, and now, I mean, I've, I've, I've looked at Spocket over over probably the last six months because I'm really impressed by it. I'm, we were looking into some live um, live commerce options and Spocket, I think, really complements that live commerce play. Um, and uh, so I was really intrigued. So basically, I would think actually one of the biggest value adds that you have is people can just line up and create a store with the products that you align with them. Was, would you say that's your biggest, your biggest feature now? What, what's, what's the biggest reason that people use it these days? That, that, you know, from, it wasn't just inventory now. It's, there's a lot more now that, that's yeah. involved. What's the biggest feature that people will use out of this? I think the main reason and the main value that Spocket has over any other platforms out there and people would use it is because we do with every supplier that comes. You're completely right. Initially for us was building this, those automations, but over time, the core value change, uh, it's not just about automation. It's about um, we have to have a very strict bidding process for our suppliers to make sure that they're reliable, to ship things on time, uh, mm-hmm. and ship things fast, uh, to make sure that our merchants can trust us to work with the suppliers, with any suppliers that they want within our marketplace. Because uh, they don't go through the bidding process. We're the one that going uh, through that. So I think like building it is marketplace of reliable suppliers that would ship things on time and fast. I think that's the main core value of Spocket right now. Very good. Very good. Well, I mean, Spocket, clearly it's a journey. Like you didn't, again, it's an evolution where you're offering more and more and more. What would you say was like one of the biggest milestones you had where you just had to high five the team? You know, was there, was there, was there one key milestone that you can identify and maybe tell us about? Damn, it's been a lot. Yeah. If you tell me on a quarterly basis, then I can't tell you one on a quarterly basis, but in the past 40 years, uh, let me see what's been the biggest thing. Um, I think like the, I think like one of the moments that really stuck in my head, and I think was a huge milestone is that when we had 10,000 customers, mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I started Spocket, I still have the Excel sheet. Um, and I started <laughs> working with one of my friends and we we're thinking that, um, to fill out this, uh, Excel sheet and so like, 
if where the company, if if company gets to this point, we think it's a successful company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we created this Excel sheet, different columns. Okay, if you have like this number of customers and uh, this number of uh, number of them convert and they pay us five dollars per month, then we're gonna make ten thousand dollar a month. Uh, I still have that Excel sheet. I actually shared it with <laughs> team like two months ago. Wonderful. And, uh, the goal was hitting 10,000 uh, customers, but I couldn't ever imagine that one day we can't have 10,000 active customers. But mm-hmm. I think when we hit that number, that was that was a huge relief that we actually made it. That's yeah. amazing. So so this, the story that you just kind of explained to me, which I think is wonderful, it kind of shows me that milestones, like you think... I will be successful if X or Y. And, you know, it has this weird idea in your head that it's terminal at that point. Like it just ends at that point, but it's just a data point on the journey. Would, would you not say like, it's, um, it's just a step towards the success of your, of your, of your, cus- of, of your company. Um, now, one thing that I think has been really interesting is you guys have been, you know, voted a great place to work, which, which as a startup is a really difficult thing because you're dealing with a lot of large enterprise companies. Um, but why do you think you have the values or what, what is it that makes Spock it a great place to work? Sure. Um, by the way, that a great place to work, that's a questionnaire that would be sent to all the employees and they anonymously fill it out. So mm-hmm. it's not something that we can pay for it or anything mm-hmm. it's directly coming from the uh, team members. I think, uh, I mean, obviously over time we had our own uh, internal complications as well. But I think like, in my opinion, what makes uh, it what makes Spocket a great place to work is a sort of the culture that we have um, around. I learned that a lot from the Netflix culture. I think it's a <laughs> lot about independence, ownership, and responsibility. Uh, with pretty much everything that's happening at Spocket is a project. <laughs> and like, even if they're like a small thing, it is a project and someone is the owner and you're responsible for that. You own, own that project. And the, the rest of the team has to trust you that you would do your best uh, together. I think that's sort of the culture of ownership and responsibility and trusting each other. I think that's been probably one of the main reasons, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, that it's been a great place to work. And also, um, we are very, very agile. Not everyone's going to like this environment and be mm. very upfront from the first day to everyone that if at any time you think that this is not the right culture for you, you should probably go find a job somewhere else that is the right fit for you. But our culture is agile. It's about ownership. It's about responsibility. Uh, and th- those are the type of people that we're trying to attract. Um, and very surrounded with these type of people just uh, accelerate uh, the growth, but also the the joy of being part of the team. Now, you, you said something that I really loved. You said, go find a job somewhere else. Do you consider, because at TTD, I don't consider it a job. I consider we're creating a revolution. We're doing great things. Do you consider when you work for Spocket, it's not a job, it's something greater than that? I think uh, one of the... the one of the things that we've been talking about internally a lot, uh, especially with, with my management team, is that what's our mission and what's our vision? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like our goal is that we very much want to step on the footsteps of a, a amazing company, amazing Canadian company uh, like Shopify, that they enable over a million entrepreneurs around the world to start their businesses. Um, our goal has been like I told you the ten thousand, and then that mm-hmm. changed to like fifty thousand. Now we reached thousand, it's a hundred thousand. But the yep. end goal, which 
that probably going to change at, at <laughs> that time as well, is that can we, as our team, uh, Spock a team, enable over a million people around the world to make some extra money uh, as their side hustle? Um, and I can't tell more, I can't I can get deeper in that, but that's that's the vision that we have. That's what we want to do. Um, if you don't want to be part of it, if you don't want to hustle to help a million other hustlers to to be able to run their businesses, this is probably not the right uh, company or culture for you. Uh, and you're not going to be happy with being here. We're not going to be as happy to have you here. So um, I think it should be a mutual interest uh, for you to be part of this culture and hustle every day for, for that mission. Fantastic. Yeah. Culture. I mean, it's so important. You know, you need to get everyone aligned. You need to get everyone moving the same direction. You need everyone to want to be there, you know, to make a difference in that revolution. Um, How has, I'm assuming you, you had an off, you have an office. We have an office in Yelltown. Yeah. In Yelltown. That's what I thought. How busy is it these is it being used that much like we have four Uh-oh. people here today so oh, it's pretty dead <laughs> it's pretty dead yes yeah so probably like we have one or two people going there on a weekly basis like here and there but we pretty much shifted uh remote we're gonna have our office even uh during covid post-covid but uh i think it's good that we have a place that people can go there and uh, mingle but mm-hmm. at the end of the day i think like we very much shifted our even in future post-COVID to, to be more remote and more flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, just do a great job, be responsible, take ownership. If you want to do it at the beaches in Thailand, do it at the beaches in Thailand. Like mm. bring bring result to the company and it doesn't matter where you're working from. So so would you say, I mean, that's a that's a big change, big different in philosophy. Has has COVID then affected the the, I mean, for good or bad, affected however you want to say it. Has has COVID um has it changed in any negative ways, the culture, or is it mostly in the positive because it liberates people? Uh, do, do you have a perspective on that? I think it's been a mix of both positive and negative. Uh, I'll tell you this. So we, uh, from the first day, I mean, initially we could not afford to have everyone in Canada. So we actually built a remote team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was more affordable for us. So sure. all our, half of our team was remote. So we already had all the tools uh, to to go remote when mm-hmm. this situation happened last year. Uh, but I was like one of those people that completely against being completely remote. I'm like, I don't want to build a company that everyone just working from their home. I want people to come to the office, talk mm-hmm. to each other, use a whiteboard. Um, but we had to uh, move everything remote uh, last March. Um, but now I think this is actually really, really amazing. It's really, I think it gives everyone a more sense of responsibility because now like me or the rest of the team, don't look at how many hours you work. We look at your output mm-hmm. and it, we don't know what you're doing at home. We don't know where you are. We just look at the output that you have. And that means uh, people that are more efficient uh, would would produce more rather than people that just put in more hours in Fantastic. Uh, less efficiency. So I think like it's been very positive, but I think on the negative side, um, uh, for the first time I heard uh, from two people in our team that they started talking about mental health. It's mm-hmm. working at home and completely isolated. Uh, yeah. We're not talking to the rest of the team. So uh, I think that's probably a negative or something that we're trying to figure it out right now. That, that, and that's a tough one. You know, we, we have our weekly 
our weekly standups just to check in. And we have, you know, the HR people checking in too, but I, I, I agree the, 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 just to make sure that everyone's doing okay when you could just have a collision and, you know, you could tell prior, you know, it's, it's hard to tell in meetings, everyone's smiling no matter what. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you recognize that that's something that needs to be, to be looked after uh, and look, looked around because these people matter, right? The, oh you, your success is, is their success. Yeah. So one thing that I did two weeks ago, which I think that was that was actually pretty cool. I asked one of mm-hmm. the team, uh, one of uh, one person in our management team, to send a message on Slack to everyone, and it, she created this anonymous form, and and I asked uh, I asked her to ask everyone else, uh, what, what would you do or what would you change if you were the CEO of Spocket? Mm-hmm. And some of the responses that I got was like actually pretty cool and things like I never thought that I would do yes. these things myself. That's um, so fascinating. Yeah, so that was that was pretty interesting. And what uh, two of the things that was brought up was about mental health that we're not we're not talking to the rest of the team as much. We do have our standups and stuff, but uh, can we have quizzes? Can we have these other uh, even if it has to be remote? But can we have these things that bring the team together? Um, so yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to steal that because and yeah. I think, I think honestly, if you're wanting to look at how you can evolve and leverage, you know, I mean, cause you're not having the daily collisions that, you know, make a, make a, a company evolve. I think this is a great way to have people's perspectives in there. And, you know, you could even, you could even cycle that through, you know, roles of, you know, if you're the head of HR, if you're the head of this, you're head of that, what would you do? I mean, that's a, honestly a great grassroots way of, 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 you know, accepting other people's perspectives and then trying to evolve through that. That's, that's super cool. Yeah. I think like one thing that happens over time, you get so disconnected from the whole team. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much only in direct in uh, contact with like four or five people in the team. So I don't really understand like what's everyone's perspective about uh, how we, how we're running the company. So I think this really helped to really get everyone's uh, perspective of like what they see, uh, but not necessarily you're going to do everything that everyone says, but just you having can't. that perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah having but, that perspective but, is so good. But they feel like they've got their own buy-in too, which, which I mean, they need to have, because again, everyone's, you know, supposed to be moving in the same direction. So honestly, I, again, I'm, I'm just going to be blunt with you. I am going to steal that because I think it's such a cool idea, <laughs> such a cool idea. Well, well, tell me, I mean, one thing I'm, I'm a big C100 fan. Uh, I've been down to a couple of the uh, 48 hours in the Valley. I never, never actually, you know, had it as a company, but I've been part of the, the, you know, the great Canadian supporting organization that, that is the C100. Can you tell me a little bit about your, you know, your membership? Is it active? Have you done anything with it? Anything around the C100? Yeah. So, um, unfortunately we got into C100 during COVID. So we actually Mm. didn't get the chance to go to San Francisco for that 48 hours, uh, (laughs) 48 hours in the valley, in the valley. Yeah. Uh, well, we had it remote. So we had that 48 mm-hmm. hours, but it was over zoom. Uh, it was a great experience. We were one of the companies that got into that program in 2020, 2020. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was a great experience. We got to know a lot of, uh, many influential, uh, founders, mm-hmm. CEOs in the, in the Canadian ecosystem. And also many people that are not in Canada currently, but they're Canadian and, you see, damn, a lot of Canadians are doing great things. A lot of <laughs> Canadians are doing great things. Yeah. And they're there to help with your success, which is even more interesting, I think. Like, it's it's awesome that this exists. What I was shocked is that uh, some of the people that I talked to, like, one-on-one, because I asked for intros, some of them are, like, VP level at Facebook or yeah. Google. Yeah. And mm-hmm. 
I go for one-on-one calls uh, with these folks and literally the, fa- the, face, the, the first thing that they say is that anything I can help you to make a greater Canadian company, I would do. I'm like, you're a VP at Facebook and mm-hmm. would spend, you, you're open to spend your time to help my company grow. Uh, that's yeah. amazing. And time and connections because that's and- the big part, right? 100%. Hundred percent. Well, you know, the first the first time I went down to the forty eight hours, I focused on the people that were kind of like the you know the San Francisco types, the New York type, you know, that were flying in the Seattle, who were all like you know just blew me away. Of wow, I can't believe you're here, just you know out of your goodwill. But the second time I went down, because it's a lot of the same people, which again speaks to yeah. the strength of the program. I focused on the startups I'd never heard of before because there's so many from Ontario, so many from Quebec, yeah. and yeah. I still have connections with a bunch of them. Um, you know, they had nothing to do. With with what we do, but just like, Hey, I want to help you do this. And, and it's just like the spirit is so, I don't know, captivating that you want to be part of that success and everyone else, just, even if it's just to give each other a high five. And I, I don't see that in the States or anything like that in the, in the same light. So I, I'm really pleased just, you know, that you got to be part of it, that, uh, you know, it, it exists. Yeah. Hopefully we get to actually go to, uh, San Francisco next year. Cause, uh, mm-hmm. I think they promised us that, uh, they, they, they'll bring us next year as well. Good. Uh, I, I'm pretty stoked to actually go see a lot of these people in person. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I mean, so we're, we're in Vancouver. Um, do you have any mentors or anyone that's helped you along the way that you can mention on, on, in your journey? I, it's, it's, it's an ever one, one person show. Um, was there anyone that helped you that, you know, gave you some good advice or anything along the way? Like in the in the has to be in Vancouver community. No, no, no. You know what? Oh, Let's go yeah. with anyone. Like, just tell the story. Has yeah. anyone like helped you with mentoring or anything like that along the way? Yeah. So I don't have like official mentor advisor, which I wish I had, <laughs> but uh, I do talk to uh, many people on a monthly basis, and I try to talk to new people. But some of the people that I think I I do very much appreciate their input and uh, their advice all the time. I mean, Patrick Lohr is one of the partners at Panache, which uh, I buck him all the time. He's one of our investors. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I do send him texts on a weekly basis asking questions. Chris DeWar was a, a managing director at Techstar Seattle, uh, which we went through Techstar two years ago, but I kept my relationship with him. So we're talking on a monthly basis, uh, but also the CEO of Techstar. Uh, there are a few folks from uh, Y Combinator that uh, I'm continuing to stay in touch with. Uh, but yeah, th- those people have been super, super helpful. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, what, one thing that I, I'm always intrigued by is I, we saw a video of you killing it with the violin. And, you know, I mean, you said you were in pre-med and then, you know, self-trained in terms of, you know, the, 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 the programming, the engineering and all that. Yeah. Do you agree with me that uh, this is just something I've discovered throughout life. People who are really good at programming are also really good at instruments. Would you, would you, would you agree that there's some sort of, you know, sim, symbiosis between the two? I know a few people that are good, good programmers and they play instruments very well. So, uh, it, yeah, I, I don't know what's a correlation, but I agree. Uh, see, because it's funny, because it, clearly I must be a bad programmer now. I mean, it's been a long time since <laughs> I've even really, you know, done I it. I didn't because, know you're a programmer. 
God, in a, let's just say in a past life. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I, I actually started programming probably way before you were born, which 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 says a lot. Wow. Uh, when I would go back to my grandmother's house on Vancouver Island, she had a Tandy TS one hundred, whatever, like the old school, and yeah. we pro- we get these magazines. Oh my God, this is like nineteen eighty eighty one, and wow. we 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 programmed Lemonade Stand, which was this, you know right out of the magazine, and the computer they had didn't even have RAM. It was just ROM. So the second you were finished debugging it and playing it and mom said, we got to go, you had to turn it off and realize everything was gone. I mean, <laughs> the tools are a little bit better now, but uh, well, we'll tell you what, what's, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, UBC for the, for the campus, you know, you do, you, you, you do business here, obviously. Um, what, what is keeping you in Vancouver? What, why, you know, what, what is a good thing of doing business in Vancouver? Um. I mean, I think like, I mean, I, I wouldn't just say all the positive. I think there's there's a bunch of negatives of being in Vancouver too. Oh, yeah. I think uh, it, Vancouver is in general is a great city, and with a lot of things that in Canada in general is a great country, and uh, we could uh, take advantage of a lot of the immigration and stuff and bring like a lot of good talents here. Uh, a lot of good talents that do want to live in it in a great city like Vancouver. Um, so I think like in general, like being in it in a great city, and I, I personally very much enjoy. I love this is I love the city. This is home. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of this this advantage of building a business as Vancouver too. The uh, it, the talent pool is a bit smaller. Uh, people that actually scaled businesses to. Uh, very, very big, multi hundreds of millions of dollars of businesses or billions of dollars of businesses. There are not that many of them here. So mm-hmm. we have to tap into international talent pool or uh, either bring them here or uh, just work with them remotely. For sure. For sure. No, I, I dig, you know, and, and that's actually part of the mission here is to tell the story of, uh, you know, successful entrepreneurs like yourself. I'll, I'll, I'll put you, I'll put you, I'll put you in that successful list. Um, but, you know, for, for, you know, telling the story to prepare for the next generation of Canadians, because I think we need to, we need to, you know, see 100 ourselves up here and, uh, you know, support each other in the success so that we do have large exits and, uh, you know, anchor companies here so that, uh, you know, we can all grow that much faster and that much, uh, um, you know, with uh, with panache, if you will, <laughs> I think like Vancouver probably needs uh, probably one or two large exits that that would uh, make tens or hundreds of people successful financially, mm-hmm. and these people would come back write checks for the next generations, but at the same mm-hmm. time bring their expertise to help to scale the company uh, completely. I don't, I don't see, I mean, I mean, there's like, you see the Lululemons of the uh, Lululemons, but mm-hmm. are they a tech company? I don't think they're a tech company, but that space is massive in, in Vancouver. Why? Because of success of uh, Lululemon and a lot mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. with that experience came in why Bill Aridzia and like many other brands, Kid and Ace. Um, mm-hmm. but we probably need one or two of those large uh uh, exits in Vancouver, and it's going to completely sh- shift the the face of the city. We, we, we need a baby Shopify. I, I recognize Shopify exactly. is not a baby. We need a baby Shopify because Ottawa, yeah. you know, Ontario is rocking it, yeah. and a lot of that's due to the success and the gravity that comes with that success. So you yeah. know, um, bring it on here. Let's bring up the challenge. Let's uh, you know, let's uh, you know, I'm counting on Spock to be the next 
two, three billion dollar exit. So yeah, uh, that's all. Uh, yeah, give me give me three years. <laughs> I, you know what? You got two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> Okay. That's the confidence I'll, I have. I'll, I'll see if I can work with that. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, Saba, you know what? Let's do it there. Um, but thank you so much for talking to us today and sharing the, you know, the the, the stories of Spocket. And I, I wish you nothing but the, mo- you know, the most success. Because uh, I, 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 I had been following you, and I'm going to continue following you because I think you're building something great. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me here. Fantastic. Awesome. Ahoy, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcasts and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast focusing on the business of technology in Canada. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we'd love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at ttt, that's three T's, dot studio, S-T-U-D-I-O. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us on social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.